it says, but who do you say that I am? Now, this is what I want to tell you. If you're going to ask the right questions to get to the heart of the matter, this is the most important question. This question is the most important question. See, the key to get to the heart of any matter is not to take it on face value, but to ask questions, right? Questions lead us into where the truth is. When you're sick, you want your doctor to go deeper than just your symptoms and treat what's causing them. The same is true for matters of your character and heart. You have to look at more than just what's on the outside. Jesus was really good at this. He always saw through the questions that people asked and got to the heart of the matter. In this new series, Pastor Daniel will explore how Jesus helped people get the answers they needed most. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 16 as he begins his message, Ask the Right Questions. Now, I don't know about you all, but oftentimes we get ourselves stuck at the details, not the heart of the matter, but the details. It's like we have a tendency in our culture to focus on the symptoms right? How do we treat the symptoms rather than treating maybe the root cause of the issue? Now, I don't know about you. I think about my own life. Now, I'm a husband and I'm a dad, right? And so I have copious amounts of life experience as a husband and a dad to realize that I oftentimes in conversation with my bride, Lynn, or with my kids, I can miss the point. You ever have that where you start having a conversation with someone and you think it's about one thing, but really the conversation is about something totally different? Now, I know none of you husbands have ever had that feeling before, right? Like you didn't really, what's amazing is, is that oftentimes we make the mistake of dealing with the things that are on the periphery and we don't ever actually get to what's really going on. And we can kind of waste an entire life and all sorts of time in relationships by making the mistake of not really getting at the heart of the matter. And in a lot of ways, Jesus was the best at this. Jesus had this amazing way about him where he was able to, through the questions he would ask, grab at what the real issue, what the core issue of what's going on in a situation. It's amazing. If you read through the teachings of Jesus, the gospels, what you find oftentimes is that Jesus actually never answers a lot of the questions he gets asked. Because he realizes that the question that's being asked him, the thing that's on the surface is not the heart of the matter, but Jesus would ask a few questions and then answer in a different way and everyone would walk away being like, whoa. Because Jesus was able to get to the most important thing that's at play here. And I think for us, as we're seeking to walk and move through life, we're trying to figure out how do I get to the heart of the matter? And so this series that we're beginning today that we're calling Real Talk, it's all about allowing Jesus to teach us what the heart of the matter truly is. Because in a lot of ways, life is 
flittered away with details, isn't it? We get stuck in the periphery of the stuff and we miss the most important thing. It's like something I said here recently, here across it. I said, you know, we need to focus more on our eulogy than our resumes. You know, it's one of those things where I'm not saying that a resume isn't important. What I'm saying is, is that in a lot of ways, the resume, it's temporary, but the eulogy is the testimony that you leave in life. But for many of us, if we're so focused on the resume, you actually never get to the weightier issues, the more important issues, like the issues of character and heart. And so Jesus wants to lead us as people into understanding what the most important things are. And really this entire series that's going to, I'm beginning today, it's going to go on for some time. We're going to see Jesus in almost every one of these. People bring him some problem. They bring him something that there's an issue with. They bring him something that they want some clarification on, or they're just trying to get Jesus in trouble. But Jesus, through his questions, brings them to a place they never even realize, this is what you're really asking about. But today, we're going to start in a place not with a question that somebody asks Jesus, but actually a question that Jesus asks of his disciples. So I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. Matthew, chapter 16. We're going to be focusing on verses 13 to 29. I'm going to get you to Matthew's Gospel if you're using the book. Also, if you have a smart device, I want you to, you can pull that out and just type in Matthew 16 verses 13 to 20 and you're going to get there as well. If you're part of our internet campus or our online audience, don't forget to open up another browser window and uh, type in Matthew 16 verse 30. Now, if you're new to the Bible, Matthew's Gospel is pretty easy to find because it's the first book in what we call the New Testament. The Bible is commonly divided into what we call the Old Testament, which goes from the book of Genesis to the book of Malachi, which is really everything that went on before the coming of Jesus. And then you have the New Testament, as it's commonly called, which begins with Matthew and goes all the way to the book of Revelation, which is about the last third of your Bible. And Matthew is the first book. So about one third of the way through your Bible, you'll find the gospel of Matthew. And I always like to close every loop. You guys, people still giggle and I say this. I say it all the time. That verse, uh, chapter 16, sits conveniently where? Between chapters 15 and 17. That's right. So Matthew chapter 16, picking up in verse 13, look at what it says. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Verse 15, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus, the Christ. Now, the setting as we jump in here in Matthew 16, and this entire series is going to be from this point going forward in Matthew's gospel, right? Now, Jesus' ministry is gaining in popularity 
and in issues. See, Jesus had been going around teaching and ministering, performing miracles, and there was a lot of talk about this guy, Jesus. But you know that whenever your popularity rises, so does the number of haters. It's kind of how it is. It'd be great if it was just like, oh, it's all popularity, but it's like with a popular band, right? Of course, this band gets popular, a singer gets popular, and everyone loves them until someone decides, well, they're just the naysayer. Well, I don't really like them. I think they're just a ripoff of the Beatles or whatever, you know? And so what happens is, is as his popularity is growing, there's also all of the issues that come from people who don't appreciate what Jesus is doing. And so Jesus, as he would often, he would pull his disciples away. See, the disciples were this group of people who were the closest people he was working with. He had chosen these 12 men who were going to carry out the ministry after Jesus' earthly ministry was done. And so Jesus would often take these guys and he would pull them away. And going to Caesarea Philippi was one of those places. It was about 25 miles away from the Sea of Galilee, which was Jesus' one of his bases of operations. And so what would happen is Jesus would pull these guys away for a special time of teaching. Now, what's fascinating here is, so Jesus pulls these guys away, and he asks them a question. First, he says, who do men say that I am? And then in verse 15, it says, but who do you say that I am? Now, this is what I want to tell you. If you're going to ask the right questions to get to the heart of the matter, this is the most important question. This question is the most important question. See, the key to get to the heart of any matter is not to take it on faith value, but to ask questions, right? Questions lead us into where the truth is. And this question that Jesus is asking his disciples is, I would say, the most important question that anyone could have asked. Notice first he says, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So he's saying, what are people saying about me? Who are people saying that I am? Now, I think it's important that you notice who I, the son of man, am. That's an important phrase because Jesus, this was his favorite way of talking about himself. He called himself the son of man. Now, the idea in the Hebrew language about this idea is that Jesus being the son of man, it shows him as part of humanity. If you remember in the Genesis account, Adam that name Adam is Hebrew for man or mankind, humankind. So he's saying, who do people say that I, the son of Adam, am? And it shows Jesus identifying himself with average, ordinary, everyday people like you and me. And I think that's important. We like to talk here at Crossroads about how Jesus is street level. And what that means is that whatever your street level view of life is, whether it's a work or a job or trying to find work or whether it's being a grandparent or hoping to be a parent, whether you're married or single, whatever the financial situation is, whatever your educational situation is, Jesus is there with you at street level. And when Jesus says things like, I'm the son of man, he's saying, look, I'm human just like you. And I think that's important. Jesus loved to speak about himself this way. But he says, who are people saying that I am? And what you find here is that people have all sorts of ideas on who Jesus is. It's fascinating that they say, some say John the Baptist, who was Jesus's cousin, right? Some say the great prophet Elisha, who was in the Old Testament, supposed to be the forerunner of the Messiah. Other people said Jeremiah. You can make sense that Jeremiah, that weeping prophet, the one who was saying, look, there's going to be destruction coming on Jerusalem. 
or one of the prophets. See, what's interesting is that everybody's take on Jesus underestimates him. See, they give him a measure of respect and honor, calling him John the Baptist or Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. That is an honorable thing in that culture, but they underestimate who he really is. And what's amazing is, is this question, if it's the most important question, like if I were to ask you, who do you say that Jesus is? Or if you go through our community and our world and you ask a simple question, who do you say that Jesus is? Almost everybody will give him respect and honor, but almost everybody will underestimate him. Like he's a great teacher. He's a teacher of truth. He was a prophet. It's always a bad thing when you will underestimate who somebody is, right? Like if you're a child, you look at your parents, right? And you honor them, but you underestimate who they are. Is that a good thing? If you underestimate your boss, if your boss underestimates you as maybe an employee, you go down the see, The problem with underestimation is that it actually diminishes who somebody is. It doesn't give them the full due of who God created them to be. And so when Jesus says, who do people say that I am? It's an honorable thing. It's a measure of respect, but it falls short of giving him his full due. But Jesus isn't only interested in what other people say, because in verse 15, he really zeroes in. He says, but who do you say that I am? Now, this is the most important question. For each one of you, I want you to ask yourself, who do you say that Jesus is? When push comes to shove, who is Jesus? Who do you say that he is? Because what we're going to find here is, depending on how we answer this most important question, depending on who we say Jesus is, will also depend on if Jesus tells us who we are. See, there is a relationship that exists there. See, Jesus is going to say, who do you say that I am? And when they say, then he's going to tell Peter, this is who you are. See, our identity in Christ comes to us, who we understand ourselves to be. It actually comes through the relationship that we have. Like, I see this with my children right now. I love getting to be a parent. It's so insanely fun. Because they're kids, right? And so as a parent, I'm always looking, how do I balance encouraging them and also helping them to get like a good proper read on who they are, you know? And so even when I have to talk to my kids about something that's not going right, I want to do it in such a way that I don't break their spirit, you know? But I want to do it in such a way that they understand what's going on in life. And we all realize that so much of our identity comes from the relationship we had with our parents, right? If you had parents who were encouraging and affirming, who were loving but firm, you have one identity. If you had parents who, let's just be honest, they were just lousy parents. They were just negative. They were whatever they were, right? That affects the way that you see yourself. That's why so much of modern psychology brings you back to the times when you were forming your identity. But the reality is, is that every single day our identity is being formed, isn't it? Like the life that we're living, every single day we're building on that in different ways. And so one of the things that I always tell people is that your past is what it was and you need to learn from it, but every single day you are building your future. And when you grab hold of the fact that every single thing that I do and the way that I interpret the information that I'm receiving, the experiences that I'm having, every single day, depending on how you do that, you're going to end up in a different place down the road. 
So no matter where you come from, because you might be like, yeah, so I have a lousy identity because of my parents, and that's it. I'm going to live the rest of my life blaming my parents. That's one way to live. A lot of people are living that way. Maybe some of you are today. You're living your life stuck there, not even realizing that your decision to keep yourself stuck there is going to ensure that you are stuck for the rest of your life. But what I want to tell you is that when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, something that for some of you have never done, is that depending on how you answer this question will also be a prerequisite for who you see yourself as. And what I want you to know is that if you say yes to Jesus, if you answer who is Jesus the same way that we get here in a moment, not underestimating him, but giving him his proper due for who he truly is, that Jesus will begin to reform our true identity, our truest selves, not who we've become over time, not who we decided we were because of a whole bunch of experiences, but who we were created to be and recreated in Jesus to be. But this question, it's the most important question. This question, but who do you say that I am? Now in verse 16, look at what happens next. Then Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Now, you gotta love Simon Peter, right? I believe that God called Simon Peter to be one of his disciples, to be an encouragement for those of us who have big mouths and are type A, those, kind of, those of us who are like kind of ready, shoot, aim kind of people. Am I the only one who's like that? Oh, a bunch of you. Praise God. Okay. You know, because I'm that kind of guy. It's like, oh, ready, shoot, aim. Oh, I probably should have aimed a little better. That's Peter. You know, and so Peter, he's boisterous. He's always the first one. It's like, everyone got an idea. Peter already had an idea. He didn't even know what the question was. You know what I mean? He's that kind of a person. And I love that about Peter because I feel that way a lot of times. But Peter chimes right on in. Who do you say? Peter's like, I'll tell you who we, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. See, really what he's saying is that word Christ, it's the Greek word Christos, which we get from the Hebrew word Mashiach, which literally means God's anointed one, the God's foretold one, the God's chosen one. And he says, not only are you the Christ, the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for, but you are also the son of the living God. Now, you notice that Jesus called himself the son of man, but Peter calls him what? The son of the living God. Now, First, that idea of the living God. You got to remember that when this was all happening, it was in a day and age where all the surrounding cultures believed in a multiplicity of gods. And they worshiped little statues and idols. And so for the Jewish people to say the living God, they mean the God who's truly alive, not a little statue, not just an idea, but someone who's got life and personality. And he's saying, yeah, you're God's son. And you see the two sides of the nature of Jesus, him being man and God. People have been struggling with this since the time Jesus walked on the earth. How can Jesus be fully man and fully God? It's not possible. I mean, who can believe this stuff? Well, when you read the Gospels, you realize it's the only way to understand who Jesus is. And the key for each one, and I want to speak to those of you here who are already followers of Jesus. What I have found is that there is a tension between Jesus as fully God and fully man. And if we're not careful, we want to choose one side of his nature as opposed to the other. And you can always tell 
when you go to a church, if they believe in Jesus as more God than man and more man than God, because what happens is when Jesus is more God than man, then, well, no one could be like Jesus. I mean, Jesus was God, and so he's an ideal that no one could ever reach. Or if you go to a church where Jesus, it's all about his humanity, it's all about, well, yeah, Jesus is just like everyone else, and no need to worship him because he's just a dude. But the thing is, is we need both of those together. And I want to encourage you because what I find is that in a lot of areas of life, there is this tension. It's an unresolved note. For those of you who know music, it's a dominant chord. You never end a song on the five chord, right? It's always the five chord wants to resolve because of the tension within the chord. But in a lot of ways, in our understanding of who Jesus is, we need to embrace the tension. And what we have a tendency to do is we want to resolve the tension, but sometimes the Bible just leaves it tense for us. And we need to be okay with a little bit of tension in our lives. So Peter's declaration, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, and then Jesus chimes on in, and you can imagine when Jesus chimes on in that Peter feels kind of all right about this. Blessed are you, verse 17, Simon Bar-Jonah. That word bar in Hebrew means son of. Simon, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Now, my friends, what I want to encourage you, just like Peter, we need to let Jesus be revealed in us. You need to let Jesus be revealed in you. See, and I kind of love this because Peter opens his mouth. He says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus is like, man, Simon, you're blessed, man. You know why? No one taught this to you, but my father who is in heaven revealed this in you. And listen, this is what God is after. I believe that for each one of you, whether you're sitting here in our sanctuary, you're part of our online audience, the reason you're here is because you want this. You want the living God to reveal Jesus and who he is and what he's done and how he's working. You want him to reveal it in you. And that's a powerful reality, isn't it? Because you see how if you, depending on how you answer the first question, the most important question, then if you don't answer it in the way that Peter did, you're never actually going to get to this point where now the true and living God wants to reveal the nature of his son in us. And I'm here to tell you, that's true spirituality. That word spirituality, it's bandied about today. People use it for everything. This is spiritual. This is spiritual. I'm spiritual. You know, and it's like, what does that even mean? It's a buzzword. But true spirituality is when the true and living God begins to reveal his son in the life of a person. And what I'm saying here is you need to let God reveal Jesus in you. You need to, even right now where you are, say, God, will you reveal Jesus in me? That is a powerful prayer. It reminds me of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It says, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Powerful, right? Powerful verse. Just as when God created everything, he said, let there be light, and light shined into the darkness. That's exactly what God wants to do in your life right now. Now, here's the thing. You know what the beauty of this is? This allowing Jesus to be revealed in us is not just a one-time thing when you put your faith and trust in Jesus either. Jesus is real. You 
hear about spirituality in so many different contexts that its meaning has been lost. Today, Pastor Daniel shared that true spirituality happens when God reveals who Jesus is to you and in you. He challenged you to pray that God would do this for you. It's a powerful and maybe even scary thing to ask for, but it's going to be worth it. God wants you to experience the amazing transformation that happens when you walk closely with Jesus. Everyone needs a little encouragement to get through their day, and we have a way to provide that for you. Pastor Daniel has some excellent advice, truth, and love to share in his two-minute messages available on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just go to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the social media links to find them. You won't be disappointed, and your day just might get a little brighter. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will continue to explore how your answer to the question, who is Jesus to you, can change your life in profound ways. You'll learn that deepening your walk with the Lord and your understanding of Him isn't a given, but requires you to invest in that relationship. Pastor Daniel will explain that spiritual maturity isn't determined by the length of time you've been a Christian but by your openness to the Lord. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Real Talk. Until then, may God bless.